Welcome to Orphan Entertainment, a podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is a woman who always takes my breath away. It's Lydia. <laughs> yeah, no, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I, I took your breath away. <laughs> you, you took something away, that's for sure. No. <laughs> Hello, Christopher. Hi, Lydia. It's fantastic to talk with you once again. I agree. It's always fantastic to talk to me once again. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm all, I'm always I'm always thrilled when it's podcast day. <laughs> well, before we go any further, the other thrilling thing is all you wonderful people for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We're glad you are downloading our shows and giving us a listen. Orphaned Entertainment is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, if you have the option to do so, rate and review the show. It does help get the show out to more people. Another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platform you use. For instance, if you're a Facebook user, you can easily share a post if you join our group. This is a great place to find out what we'll be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the show. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment. And if you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. You can also find all these links at orphanedentertainment.com. With that, let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo from another podcast. And when we return, we'll see just how far we will go for The Last Woman on Earth. Another five-minute mystery. takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men was exploring, and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. You know how to get out to Echo Cavern, Lem. Well, Doc, being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know about all there is to know about this country. Ever been in the cavern, Lem? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. <laughs> Nearly got my hide's hand off of my paw. Echo Cavern's a mighty treacherous place. You mean it's uh, easy to get lost in? Well, not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas, carbon uh, something. Carbon dioxide? Yes, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, then you're out. Still, people seem to go exploring there. More fools you be. I wouldn't go into them caverns. Leastwise, not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gatty, your friend is dead. Yeah, poor Patsy. It was from the gas, wasn't it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why did you go in that cavern anyway? Well, Patsy asked me to. He never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Well, where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We, we tried to trace our way back, but it wasn't no use. And Patsy started to get scared. 
It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yes, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutton Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself. But we stuck together, you know, walking in the dark with only my flash in the car. And all of a sudden, Patsy keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. Yeah. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure. I, I figure it was only because I'm five foot three that I got out of there alive. And the gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah. And what do you think of that, Jock Melville? I think you'd better arrest Mr. Gatty for the murder of his friend, Patsy. <laughs> the flaw in Gatti's story. Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lamb and Dr. Melville. But first... What the hell is this, the wonderful Billy Flynn? Just some podcast that's supposed to be geeky, Podcasting's Rich Sigfrid. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. Screw that noise. I'm not going to try it. Hey, Flinstress, let's get Mikey. Do you mean critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason, who hosts the Beer Power Time Machine podcast? Yeah. But he won't listen. He hates everything. I'm critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason. I don't often listen to podcasts, but when I do, make mine Geek Radio Daily. Hey, hey, hey man, that, that's a different promo. Between love and madness lies Geek Radio Daily. That's kind of accurate. There are some things money can't buy. GRD is free online. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Geek Radio Daily. Eh, we'll take it. Geek Radio Daily. All the geek... Without the wait, geekradiodaily.com. And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the Doctor. Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green's Gap Jail, not before. Ah, I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really met gas you would have keeled over first before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Last One on Earth is a 1960 science fiction drama produced and directed by Roger Corman. The form stars Betsy Jones Moreland, Anthony Carbone, and Edwin Wayne, which was a pseudonym for screenwriter Robert Town. Harold and Everlyn Gurn, along with Harold's lawyer, Martin, enjoy a scuba diving trip off the coast of Puerto Rico. After a completely unnecessary accident with a harpoon gun, they swim to the surface only to discover that they have escaped a seemingly worldwide apocalypse that has asphyxiated everyone and everything. They survive on scuba tanks until they row to shore and discover the oxygen slowly returning. They pack their bags and go to a friend of Harold's house situated on the coast far away from the city. They try to live as best they can, but tempers and temptations flare as the two men vie for Evelyn, the last woman on Earth. Since Robert Town didn't have the script completed by the time of filming, and since Roger Corman always looked to save a buck when he could and didn't want to spend the money to have a screenwriter and an actor on location, <laughs> he persuaded Town to star as the lawyer and third wheel Martin Joyce. Another cost-cutting maneuver for Corman was when on location, film as many films as possible in the time allowed. He filmed this movie while in Puerto Rico filming 1961's Creature from the Haunted Sea, in which all three of our stars also appear. The film was released as a double feature with The Little Shop of Horrors, which we covered uh, not all that long ago, maybe like last year. Yep. 
Carbone and Jones Moreland were your typical character actors and each appeared in a number of film and television roles. Robert Town, however, may be most famous for writing the Academy Award-winning screenplay for 1974's Chinatown. Mm -hmm. He also wrote the sequel to Two Jakes in 1990, and he also wrote screenplays for 73's The Last Details, 75's Shampoo, the first Mission Impossible film, and co-wrote the second, which released in 96 and 2000s respectively. He is also a director and a script doctor, putting his touches often uncredited on films like Bonnie and Clyde and The Godfather. Quite the um, repertoire in this man's <laughs> history. Yeah, he also did Days of Thunder, which is really funny to me. <laughs> yes, apparently he and Tom Cruise uh, got along really well. He liked to work in, they, or, or Tom Cruise liked him. That's how he ended yeah, up writing for Mission Impossible. How did the guy that wrote Chinatown also write Days of Thunder? <laughs> I love it. Like it's, it's it's a bit eclectic, isn't it? It is a little bit unusual. Yeah, uh, he's got a screen credit for Bonnie and Clyde too for 1967. I'm very interested to know, you know, what his in his uh, involvement with that would have. I been. think that was uh, as I was saying, he was a little bit of a script doctor. I think mm-hmm. he just kind of went and put uh, touches on the script, removing things, adding things, that and sort of thing. She, yeah, here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yet apparently the uh, script doctoring for The Godfather was uncredited, I think. Mm. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde may have actually been credited. I'm not sure. How interesting. But he's touched a lot of um, classic and well-known films. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing that he also wrote this weird little Roger Corman epic. Yeah, that is, it is kind of uh, like how fortuitous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Robert Town, when you're first introduced to him, is like, you know, I he, he comes on the scene and I was like, oh, oh okay, this is obviously a bit part because this guy's not engaging or interesting at all. But then as it rolled on, like, that's kind of, it's his personality is he's, you know, you've got the wild, crazy guy, which of course is Harold. And then you've got the pragmatic you know, mm, not yeah. not boring as I thought originally. But I was going to say dry, but I think pragmatic would be a better description. Yeah, mm-hmm. so kind of down to earth, very cut and dry. Yeah, rea- reality is this way, and there's no point in you know fighting against it, kind of person. <laughs> so uh, I think Evelyn asks him early on, Martin, how do you like your work? In fact, how do you like your life? I like it, Mrs. Gurn. Which, your work or your life? Both. Is there a difference? I think so. Harold doesn't. Which is kind of funny because he's there very much for work. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, he's obviously there just to meet with Harold. You get the impression he's flown down from somewhere to take care of this billion-dollar issue that Harold has incurred. But, uh, yeah, so originally I thought, oh, man... I hope this is a bit part because this guy's not very interesting. But then as the story <laughs> progresses, it he he has to be the way he is, I think. You know, you started out by saying that you were surprised or, or not surprised, but you didn't find him to be, it, as you said, a, you were a backhanded compliment, but you didn't, you found him to be an actually pretty decent actor. Yeah. So the, the role itself is dry. And I originally attributed that to the acting, but it actually turns out, no, it's actually the character, not, not poor acting and, and I think he, I think he plays the role well, actually. 
Yeah. Certainly Harold does because you just dislike him. <laughs> I, I was going to say that I really think all three of these actors are actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly, and, well, you say you don't like him and yes, you, you don't like Harold, but I will admit that through a good portion of the movie, I find your allegiances change. You think this guy is going to be kind of the good guy. This guy's going to be the bad guy. And you find yourself kind of drifting back and forth as like, yeah, but well, really is he? Cause you know, that guy's got a point and what about that? And you, and what about Evelyn? But then maybe not Evelyn. I mean, you really kind of find yourself moving from character to character wondering, okay, which one's actually like the good person. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't feel that way at all. <laughs> really? No. Yeah, no, but I think the reason I didn't feel that way is, Okay, so this the name of the movie is The Last Woman on Earth. So it's Im- it's impossible for me to watch this without taking their actions into account and taking their attitudes toward one another into account. And at the point where they decide to pack up and leave the hotel, you know, to get out of the city before it literally starts to stink, from that moment on, it feels as if Evelyn is... Let's say Evelyn doesn't behave the way I feel like I would behave. Um, Okay. Because she continues to allow Harold to give her instructions. Mm. Even even when she's rebelling in her own relatively minor ways, uh, which is, I'm not going to... One of the things she does to rebel, yeah, definitely I wouldn't call minor, but compared to how she could be rebelling, it's you know, comparatively minor, very subversive and not out, not outspoken or direct. She seems like someone who is, there's someone inside her who wants out, mm-hmm. but she doesn't allow her. There's that one scene when they've, they've moved to the house. It's the next morning mm-hmm. and she comes in wearing a slip and a, and a men's shirt. Evelyn, don't you think you ought to finish dressing? Why? Expecting company? Martin is here. So he is. How are all your family and friends, Mr. Joyce? Delighted you dropped by. How would you like me to dress for the occasion? Evening dress? House dress? Slip. He's going to be here one hell of a long time, Harold. All right. We're in a rotten situation. An unprecedented one. But I'm not going to fall apart, and neither is anyone else, as long as I can help it. Look, you don't build all at once. I didn't make my money in one day. You lost it in 20 minutes. Now, we're going to work out a plan, or we're going to take it step by step. If you take things as they come, if you do them step by step, we're going to be all right. Evelyn, how about breakfast? I'll change first. I'm just cringing. I'm just sitting here yeah. cringing. I and think before I'll go then... change first. And so, so she kind of gives in. But it's yeah, that person trying then, though, to get out, you though. See, you see her 
when she's walking on the balcony edge. Mm. When even, I think even in, in the very beginning in the cockfight, I think, which I can say that because it is actually what it is, oh, by you know, the way. Yeah. Th- thanks for bringing it up. I actually wanted to start. Starts <laughs> I was going to mention animals. this early on. <laughs> yeah. There is a legitimately real cockfight in the first like five minutes of this yeah. film. And if so if you're someone that is a little sensitive about that sort of thing, and let's be honest, if you're not, what the hell's wrong with you? It, yeah, um, it's not graphic. I would I would no. say it's not graphic, and I would also say that it helps explain the characters. So I don't yes. feel it's as a if it's very gratuitous. important. Yes, it's a very important scene because and, you do. It's a <laughs> lot of exposition and you metaphor. Get, you, you find out, <laughs> yeah, you find out why they're there. Uh, why Harold and his wife are there, why Martin's there, what's going on. You you learn a little bit about the type of person Harold is, and you even start learning a little bit about Evelyn and Martin. It, I think, so that's yeah. a really important five minutes. It's just unfortunate that there's two animals killing each other. <laughs> I also think that you learn a lot about, in a, in a single line, you learn a lot about Evelyn and Harold's relationship. Because Martin says... Oh, you're Mrs. Gern, you're your Mar- Harold's wife, and she says occasionally, mm-hmm. and so immediately you know it. But you know that their their marriage was well, it's relatively recent because it's been since the last time Martin saw them or right. saw Harold, and so you learn that they're already kind of an on again, off again couple. And she says early on that she is not that if she had, you know, had her wits about her, she wouldn't be in the position she's in. And it sounds to me like she's talking about having mar- married Harold potentially mm. again. I was going to say her uh, occasionally, I think was a reference to the fact that Harold puts business ahead uh, of <laughs> oh, just about valid. everything. Yeah. Huh, and that's... she's she's always kind of second place to everything else that Harold has going on. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's business, whether it's pleasure for Harold, whether it's cockfighting, whether it's gambling, she's always the you know the second thought. Yeah, again, not how I would respond, but <laughs> but you know we are talking about forty years ago, so mm-hmm. it's um, which you know we're gonna I'm sure we'll talk about some of the differences. So so Evelyn at first when I was you know when we're first introduced for, to her, I wasn't terribly impressed I, you know i could you can guess where this movie's going there's a man there's a woman and two men and you and you can guess the direction that it's going to head from the title or your your very 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 imaginative <laughs> if you didn't guess from the title what it is and initially i was thinking what is it about this woman that both of these guys are going to be crazy about her because it's not enough in a movie to just literally have her be the last woman on earth. That's that's just not that's not how movies work. <laughs> it, not in the 1960s uh, or nine, 1959, 1960. So there has to be something else going on there. And at first, I was pretty convinced that she wasn't that interesting. But the second time around, the second watch, I appreciated her character a bit more and appreciated. I think more of the nuance and more of the dissatisfaction that she ex- she d- expresses later in the movie with how her life has been up to this time, which you see in the first scene, you mm-hmm. know, in the, with the end of the fight and she's, you know, horrified and, and put off and all of, you know, everything that I think anybody today would respond with. She expresses, you know, vocally and, and in her face and everything else. But, 
but you but she's still in this position and it, and the thing that that I don't I don't want to spoil anything but she continues to be in that position and continues to stay in that position you know as all of the as all of the conflict in the movie is happening or she and there's never the part that really bothered me when I first was watching this movie the first time was that she never questions even whether there's another option she never goes I could do this without you two. She never goes, uh, how about breakfast yourself? You know where the kitchen is. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> never, she never makes that stand. Yeah. No, never. And I I understand that it's 1959, or 1959, 1960 when this is being filmed and released. And I, But this is, I think, a Hollywood representation of a woman. I don't think this is a realistic representation of how a woman would respond in this in this situation. Well, and like I said, that's where I think it's disappointing that there is a character or a person inside this woman that occasionally shows a glimmer and you want her to te- keep taking those steps and she mm-hmm. doesn't. She does yes. at, at one point say something like, look, this was always your plan. You, it, this was never Martin's plan. This was never my plan. Mm-hmm. This was only your plan. You always took control. You always, I'm like, yes, keep going, keep going. And, then and she, she doesn't. <laughs> Well, and oh gosh, yeah, I it, we're we're definitely muddling the timeline here. I still can't get over that. And and it, you know, we we talked briefly before we started recording about some of the some of the books I'm reading right now and one book in particular. But I just was just horribly startled at the the marital rape part. <laughs> and I it wasn't graphic at all but it was very clearly she says oh no harold this isn't going to fix anything and he says i'm your husband dang it you know and right. and i was like ah oh my god what wait whoa and then i had to remind myself oh right this is 1959 this is still legal in the united states for mm-hmm. another 30 years so <laughs> so uh yeah this is it's interesting i think maybe i i i had a strong feeling of disappointment toward Evelyn for uh, for not being more the person that as you're saying she implies that she wants to be taking the role that she certainly tells Harold that he never allowed her to have it's rather fittingly too that it's when she's drinking the most and you think (laughs) that's kind of what something like this would come out is when you you know you you start letting and letting your guard down sort of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, early on when she she's drunk and she's playing on the balcony and Mm -hmm. she's effectively teasing Harold or not Harold uh, Martin Martin. Mm -hmm. and you're thinking okay that's the woman that's a little bit more of trying to be taking control of her of her life Mm -hmm. Martin even says you could make anybody seem um, conservative conservative if you wanted to right and then she sobers up and she turns into little Susie Homemaker again for yeah. Harold. Yes. Which is, yeah, which is in the, in the, when there's a moment where Martin, you know, after, after some other things have happened and Martin and Evelyn are, uh, they think alone in the house and he says, so tell me how your day was. And she says, oh, I, I went to 21 for lunch and I went shopping at Saks and, mm-hmm. and you get this idea. Oh, okay. That's what their life was like before. She was the, the shopping wife before Harold 
even while Harold was having all of these financial scandals going on, which he early in the movie says happens every year. Yeah, they try to sue me every year. It's their vacation fund. Um, And you kind of at that point, I think the reason I thought she must be a recent addition and, and on again, off again is because I couldn't place where she was in his world. But as the the ignored wife who spends all her time shopping and eating lunch at 21, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it kind of clicked for me. So I think probably the second time I watched it, made she made more sense to me. And that's why I wasn't quite as irritated by her. <laughs> you know, this is what she expected out of life was nice dresses and cars and expensive meals. But when all of the when all of society falls apart, she doesn't stop and go, wait a minute. That's all gone. Why right. am I still with this guy? Right. Well, and I think that person inside, again, I keep going back to her. I think she knew that none of that stuff was really important. She started mm-hmm. realizing with Harold that that's, and maybe it took the apocalypse for her to start really realizing it, that none of that stuff really mattered. Mm-hmm. That really wasn't making her happy. That just sustained her. I see. And I feel the opposite though. I feel like she says, you know, in that same conversation, you know, where will we go for lunch after the theater? And she says, Oh, you remember that little French place? And, and then she like, gets kind of manic and she's like it's still there tell me it's still there and she kind of starts freaking out and the even and martin mentions at one point you know you still don't want to believe that the end of the world is here and it's like she's i, I suppose you could make i'm talking myself into you could argue that she's hoping that it's all just local or it's all just in her it, it's all just you know fatalism and really the rest of the world is going on and if she stays with Harold she'll get that life back again which is a stretch I'm I'm there's nothing to indicate that in the movie <laughs> I'm going well maybe that's why but honestly I don't think that the writer put that well I, I don't know we'd have to ask Martin maybe he did maybe he didn't put that much thought into her character I took a lot of that is to someone who is it, that's more big picture. That's, you know, the world. That's that's society in general. Not necessarily she's concerned about whether or not she can go to that French restaurant again. It's more No, no, of, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. She's saying, tell me the world hasn't really ended. Tell me there right. are still places we can go and where money matters and where I can have nice things and where I can bury my sorrow in spending money. Well, you know, the American pastime. <laughs> in, instead of really this being the end of the world and I've got two choices and one of them is a, you know, controlling arrogant man. And the other one is a fatalist. <laughs> Which are, those are the options. I like that. Those are her choices. And I think she's begins to realize that neither of them are great choices. You know, Oh, wouldn't it be great to have a kid? Why? What's yeah. the point? <laughs> yeah. That bit. So when she does, I mean, I suppose, I suppose we're not giving too much away to, you know, disclose that at one point she decides to run off with with Martin. Um, and it's inevitable. Otherwise, there'd be no story if the story was that the world ended and there were two men and a, women, a woman and the woman stayed with the man she was married to. That's not a movie. <laughs> so no surprise that she decides to run off with Martin at one point. But as she starts to, to drive away with him and they start to talk and he says he doesn't believe in good and evil. And when she says, you know, oh, can't, could we have a kid? And he says, no, there's no point. This is the end of the world. And you can see the struggle that she starts to deal with going, oh, maybe 
maybe this isn't necessarily a better choice. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. a different choice. Exactly. It's just the other choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the poor woman, really, there is no, I mean, it's it's literally <laughs> this in, or that. Yeah, I mean, in the, 1960, there's no other choice. Today, there's right. definitely another choice. Today, you know, there's the, hey, you two guys can stay here together. I'm going to go do what I want to do and build a, a world that makes sense to me and is meaningful to me. But at this time, it's, hey, Evelyn, how about some breakfast, you know? <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. oh, God, <laughs> I could just shake him. I could just, it, not even like a polite, Evelyn, honey, would you mind making us breakfast? Like, oh, God. <laughs> oh. I, and I, he's not, you know, he's not as awful as I'm inferring. But the the attitude of taking her for granted, which has all along been the argument of feminism. Sorry to go there, guys, but I just did. Is has been, you just take us for granted, is... That's the thing that makes me nuts that she never she never does anything about it, even though, like you said, she mentions it at one point. Mm-hmm. And then she just I, I don't I don't know if we're going to end up talking about the end of this movie or not. I feel like we need to decide that right now. Are we going to talk about the end of this movie? Let's talk about it some. And yeah, there could be some pretty major spoilers if you've not seen this one. So I, I think fair warning. Yeah, I think we can't discuss it the parts that I want to talk about because it ends a little abruptly in my opinion. Mm, a bit. And because, uh, so let's just stop right there say, okay, so if you haven't watched it yet and you don't want spoilers, go ahead and watch it, go finish watching it. Um, it's, it, it's an hour and what, four minutes, hour, yeah. six minutes, something it's, like that. It's a quick yeah. watch, easy watch. Just pa- pause the podcast, go I watch it. I found a color version. On, <laughs> it's on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Most of the copies are black and white. There are some color ones out there. I found a color version that I you can watch. I watched both for variety. Me too. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't, even though the black and white version seems to be about eight minutes longer, I couldn't pick up where those eight minutes were unless it was like an intermission or a, a real change. The one eight minute one I found actually had like a little, it was like a real change or something yeah. in the middle. And there was a gap with some, you know, numbers and studio something or other. Okay. So That's, I think yeah. that must be. And it, so it did last, a, it did last a couple minutes. Okay. So I think, I think there's one bit where I noticed a little bit of a clip and it seemed like they lost a little bit of time, but it, they're not significantly different. You can watch either no. one and get essentially the same movie. So, disclaimer given, let's do talk a little bit about the end of this movie. Um, so, obviously, I, I love the word obviously. Sorry, I use it way too much. <laughs> it seems apparent to me that the beginning of this movie is intended to frame the the with the end of the movie. It's intended to sandwich. You've got the literal cockfight at the beginning. You have the human cockfight at the end, which is actually a, also a literal fight. Um Though not literal roosters at that point. <laughs> literal <laughs> humans. Literal, well, anyway, we'll move on from there. <laughs> and, um, and then you have an abrupt ending that I feel is wholly and completely, ex- like, without any exception, unsatisfying. Yeah. The end of this movie is all, it, it's bizarre. It feels like, it feels no better to me than, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah, it's an ending with no consequence. Yes, thank you. I was trying to frame it 
And that's exactly right. So you have people that have gone through this whole situation. And and in a way, it, it you could argue it's a very realistic ending, in a way. Um, and in fact, probably not just in a way, but you could probably argue, yeah, this is a very realistic ending. This is probably what would happen. <laughs> I mean, certainly that's what the movie is arguing. The movie at the end, Harold saying, will we never learn, you know? is saying, well, this is how it will always end because this is how humans are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no satisfaction in the end of it. There's not even necessarily really a conclusion because the the loss of the one character, I'm, I'm going to try and dance around it for a little bit here. <laughs> we'll see if I can. The loss of the one character doesn't have any impact on the other characters. And it, and it doesn't, there, there's it has no impact on their relationship and it's like wait how can you go from how can you go through all of this and literally have a death of one third of the human population just kidding it really is 99.99999% of the human population <laughs> it just happens that you see one person you know die <laughs> mm-hmm. but how could you go through all of that i suppose the argument is well there are only two people left on the planet, and so obviously we have to stick together because we're a tribal society, and that's what we do. I'm being a little facetious about the tribal part. <laughs> Martin and Evelyn run off together, and Harold does go after Evelyn. and Or does you, he go after Martin? Yeah, see, that's where I was kind of <laughs> going, is you, oh, okay. you, want, you want to think, oh, he realizes that he truly does love her, he wants her back. And more and more I'm thinking about, and the way he's acted earlier in the film, I'm thinking this is what you do if someone runs off with your money, money or your yeah. prize, you know, possession. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, and that's possession exactly is right. exactly the right word. I Absolutely. think he views Evelyn as just another possession that his money has gotten him. She's literally the most valuable commodity in the world. Yeah. She is. She is the money. In mm-hmm. the new world, in the in the resulting world of you know death and mayhem, but no, she's he he worked his whole life to get rich, and now the only thing that's valuable is her, and so he is going to get her because he wants what's valuable, not because it's valuable to him, but because it's valuable to somebody else. But then the last line of the film bothers me because he holds out his hand. Let's go home. Where is that? Help me find out. I would have been so thrilled with this movie if he had said, let's go home, and she had said, where is that? And the movie had ended. I'd have been like, oh my gosh! Whoa, you know, it gives you, it leaves you hanging. It gives you the ability to talk about it. Like almost like I, on a whim, <laughs> I found a 1959 movie or short fi- video, short film called The Trouble with Women. Because I had to look it up. <laughs> I was like, after watching this movie, I need to know the, the cultural context that was going on in 1959 when this was being filmed or shortly before this was being filmed. <laughs> and I love it because it's one of those where at the end it's, uh, you know, it, it poses a question and it goes, 
what is hair or not Harold, but what is Bill's real problem with women? You know, <laughs> where it doesn't give you the answer, but leaves off, you know, what, um, what does Tommy really want to do with the money? You know, how should Cheryl really talk to Amy? You know, like <laughs> it leaves those. And this is one of those movies where I, for the first time in my life, I actually want the movie to end with a big question mark at the end because right. it would have been oh, it would be such a great movie to just argue about oh no no she would totally do this she would totally do that but in not leaving that question open and as you said in her taking his hand in him pseudo apologizing i'm using yeah. huge air quotes here because there's no apology there <laughs> there is uh oh yeah i am a man and so i expect you to continue helping me sorry christopher i don't project that on you in any way <laughs> absolutely that's what harold does and and she just goes with him after she literally has just said, you have not made a home for me my entire life. You've never helped me be the person I want to be. But, you know, and and you just killed my lover. He's right. dead. You just killed the only man that I thought I would ever want to leave you for. Even forget lover. <laughs> you know, just you Other killed a human. man. <laughs> yes, you're literally a murderer. You are literally the only murderer alive. <laughs> and you showed you showed. One second of regret with like, oh, I killed him. Oh, Will we never learn? <laughs> oh, well, let's go home now. For reals. Yeah. Oh, well, let's go home know, now. And you know, yes. Oh, where's home? Where is that? Help me find out. You know, as soon as they get to whatever home that is. He's going to want uh, breakfast. What a rough day. How about some dinner? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I think you should go in the other room, Evelyn. I've got to have a conversation with myself now. Right. <laughs> Just like I think I'll Martin. sit down in a veranda and have a smoke while you <laughs> make dinner. Oh, my goodness. You know, and, and it's not that he's a just total leech. He does go out and fish during the day. You know, anyway. <laughs> oh, man. This movie. <laughs> I just. Yeah. And then she just goes with him. And I. I could understand her saying, you need to sit in a corner and think about what you did for a little mm -hmm. while. But she's just like, oh, you want me to help you? Okay. And, and she doesn't say anything. She certainly doesn't talk like that. But, oh, it's such a disappointment. If, it, if they just left it, even if people argued, no, she'd totally go with him because she really believes he's the last person alive. They're more likely to survive together than if they split up. I would be happy with that. But it would have been so, such a better movie if it had ended with the question. It annoys me that we have to watch this actress in this type of role. I would love to see her as like a femme fatale. Mm. Or, oh, she looks like one, doesn't she? Oh, she's a, oh, she's a beautiful woman. Striking features. Mm -hmm. Striking I, I would is the love, right word. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see her in a role with more meat. Oh, well, my gosh. She could watch just... some Perry Mason. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm only being facetious. <laughs> She, you know, she was in a lot of TV shows. I would be terribly interested to see her in, you know, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. Uh, probably not the Donna Reed show, but yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah, I'm just afraid most of her career, she probably came up being a '50s woman, you know, mm -hmm. or the '50s housewife type. And I, I would just love to see. Can you imagine her in something like um, Scarlet Street? Yeah, I just want to, I'm looking through just to see, hopefully you can find a credit where she was the murderer, but I don't see one. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
But yeah, she I think she's she's interesting. Early on I didn't care for her, but then I think you're right though. I think she is I think she's very good in this role. I think she's she's a conf- she's the conflicted person very well. Yeah. Um and I think and I have to attribute the disappointment I felt at the end to the writing and not to her in any way. And really to any of the cast. I think even with Martin being wild-eyed and mad at the end, you know, which that that part for him, how he progressed to the point of mania, I really enjoy watching. Like, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed him in that. And, and in fact, he and Evelyn both, it's like, you can see how they'd be drawn together. You can see how in this situation, it's inevitable that they would want to get away from where they had been trapped before. And it seems, you know, unconscionable to me that either one of them would choose to put up with Harold. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and I think that the argument this movie is making is that, you know, arrogant, uh, we'll call it, quote, can do, unquote, men are have, a, have an important role to play in the apocalypse. No, <laughs> oh, very. Yeah, Harold to me is the type of person he's he's like the type of friend that you would want to have because he'd be the one that would throw all the really good parties but you wouldn't want to live with him i feel like he's not the kind of friend i'd want to have no (laughs) i know but bear in mind you and i have a slightly different perspective for a reason that our listeners may be able to pick up on just from listening to us for a long (laughs) period of time May shock people, may not. I am a woman. Christopher is a man. <laughs> so, uh, no, Harold strikes me as the kind of guy that you, he's, he's, and I'm not in any way implying that all bros are this way, but he's the bro. He's mm. the, he's the quarterback that has nobody ever tell him no. He's, ne- he's never failed at anything in his life. He's never been held accountable for anything in his life. He's the guy that thinks he throws the best parties, but he's really just a jerk. Mm, okay. <laughs> that's that's my perspe- perception of him. I could be a little too harsh. It's possible that my back is up because he's icky. <laughs> <laughs> a horrible misogynist, yes. A, a wife rapist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a murderer. Huh? I mean, you know, <laughs> it's possible I'm being a little hard on him, but... I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it. Uh, I think that's legitimate uh, criticism uh, on Harold there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that he, I think that he, sees himself as the life of the party. He sees himself as the hero in a story. He sees himself as the can-do man. And if he had any compassion, he would be that. But he doesn't have any compassion. Everything that he does is is for his own benefit and is self-centered. And that's what makes him, I mean, it, I, he's not even an anti-hero. He, he, it, it's like, you can understand the relationship between Evelyn and Harold, where she really wants to, to have a husband that she loves to be with. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, she, she's not being forced to be with him, not by any external force that we can tell. And he thinks he's a good husband. He thinks, Hey, I give you all the money you need. I take you to nice places. I show you cockfights. I give you plenty of food <laughs> that you can cook. All lots of food to cook. Hey, you've got jewelry. You've got you got nice dresses, and now you can be barefoot all the time because nobody will judge you. So, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but I give you the best house that we can find on the island that didn't belong to us to start with, but I can break it into it. it so all facetiousness aside, you understand their relationship, I think, because she is trying so hard to to get the husband she wants him to be. But then at the point where she has the option to, to move to something else before, of course, she, before she realizes that Martin is a fatalist and is really content to let the world burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just surprising to me that she, I think it's maybe surprising to me that she doesn't move a little quicker to get away from Harold. You just made me think that um, I don't know why I didn't think about it. Martin literally would be the type of person who would just pretty much just decide that if it was just the two of them, there wasn't another third party kind of calling the shots there would be no discussion about moving anywhere else. They would just, let's just live our life here. Oh, he even says it. He says, this, yeah. is, a, this is a place where we can just eat canned food all day and be luscious. Mm-hmm. And, and, and no, he genuinely is like, hey, this is it. This is the end. I guess it's, that's an interesting point, too. You know, if, if you were one of the last three people on Earth, would you? Would your inclination be, hey, let's rebuild? Or would it be, you know what? <sniffs> well, we're all going to die anyway. Might as well just die. I think if I was in a position, if I was in a place that I could sustain myself, if I had shelter and food, mm-hmm. I, I'd be like, well, this is this is as good as any place. Yeah. yeah. I, I sure in the hell wouldn't want to take on the hardships of sailing when I didn't know how to sail, trekking across the crunt, you know, who knows what, sort of country mm-hmm. um no if i had shelter and i had food nope that would be that that that's where i would let's put my here. roots yeah I, I mean i could see i could see saying well let's stay here but let's do some things to make sure that we can perpetuate if we are going to try and rebuild any kind of society which is going to require procreation then let's try and have a diverse gene pool Let's try and create children that have two different fathers, at least. Let's try and learn how to, you know, plant crops. Let's try and learn how to sustain ourselves and maybe learn whatever basics we can, gather the information that's available to us so that we can help propel society and our offspring forward. I think I wouldn't just say, I wouldn't just say, hey, you know what, let's just get drunk and and fall asleep in the bathtub. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I would say that. So yeah, I understand I, her conflict at the end mm-hmm. where she's like, Ooh, wait, you're just going to literally drink yourself into a early grave. I'm not sure that's really what I had in mind. Difference of, uh, of personalities or whatever. Mm-hmm. I pretty much would go, well, I'm not interested in perpetuating the species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I said, if I have shelter and I have food, I'm just going to hang out and yeah. I'm, I'm good. That's and that's the thing. It's the question is if you're in a society that's like that. There's a oh great series. Uh, they they made it originally in the '80s and then they remade it uh, is a mini series in the 2010s, I think, or the 2000s, uh, called Day of the Triffids. And I think maybe oh sure you introduced me to the '80s one of it, and I think the '80s one is the one to watch. But it's mm. the the premise is a little bit similar most of the humanity has been wiped out and the question becomes do we take what society already did and try and rebuild from there or do we start from scratch do we go back to the earth and and 
plant and grow that way. And I think that if you're in a society like in Day of the Triffids where it's like, well, I don't really have a choice. I've got children dependent on me and I've got, you know, other people that if I don't go and sustain myself, they're basically going to enslave me and make me do what they want me to do. Then it makes sense, I think, to say, well, let's, you know, do what we can to, you know, expand out the gene pool, yada, yada, all that kind of thing. But I think in this kind of case, there literally are three of us. Do we want to try and keep humanity going? I don't know, man. I don't know what I would do. I, I really don't know what I would do. I mean, I know what I would do because of certain certain things. But, <laughs> but given the choice, given all opportunities, you know, complete free options, I'm not sure what I would do. Right. Uh, I would just be more of a, uh, I want to be, especially if I'm in this situation where it is just, you know, a house on the on the tip of the island. Mm-hmm. There's no one else around. Mm-hmm. Likely, no. There may possibly be no one else on in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. I would just take that solitude as a as a good sign because that means I'm not going to be <laughs> I'm not going to have anyone moving in that's going to be like a herald. Yes. Or, you know. Um, or the governor from The Walking Dead. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I watched The Walking Dead. I've seen what happens when you let people yeah. in your group. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, you know, if it were just me, I would, you know, get myself as secluded as possible, probably. But if I thought there were other people, I would, I would, I would do what Harold would do. I would try and get off the island. I would try and go see if there were other people to band together. I admit that watching this movie the whole time, both times I watched this movie, the whole time I was waiting for zombies to roll up. I was <laughs> I was like, don't leave the bodies in the street, man. You gotta burn those things. Yeah. That, that's something worth mentioning too. Oh, that I think is what was missing in the color version. There's a scene where Martin's walking along the beach and there's a woman's body there. Um, oh, you're right. That's what it was. I, I remembered earlier today and then I forgot again. And it's interesting that it is missing from the color version because I think it's a, it's a, it's just another little peek into Martin, I think, but I think it's a really interesting scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh but as, as far as – it's, it, it's interesting to me that they don't even try and do anything with the bodies. No, I think, right. I think I, I suppose they're thinking all of Puerto Rico, there's no way we can – we'd spend the rest of our lives trying to clean up bodies. We just mm-hmm. – there's no point. But I am, a little, again, a little bit surprised they didn't just go – but that grocery store over there is open. Let's go get supplies just in case we need them so we don't have to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, I suppose, though, we're, in our culture, we're so set up to do, you know, well, prepper kind of thought processes. And we've seen so many apocalypse movies at this point. We all think, well, that's not how you'd survive. <laughs> well, I wonder if that's something that they did do, but they didn't. Um, they They could have used a little, you know, like, storming the stores montage or something because they mm-hmm. do pull up to the house in a car and a in a That's large true. moving truck i had forgotten that yeah no you're exactly right they so probably i, I did. do wonder if they did take a lot if they found stores or you yeah. know canned goods because i doubt they'd go to the house and go oh there's enough canned good here's the last for, for years. years in no, a single house sense. doubtful I, I don't know. Yeah. I tend to think they just shoved that truck full of dead bodies. And they were just bringing them around with them. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I had forgotten about that. But and they do definitely mention that there's so much food there they could live for years on it. So, right. yeah, I think you're exactly right. They did that. 
but yeah, definitely could have used a little montage and maybe they filmed it and it didn't make the cut you know who mm-hmm. knows or maybe they just couldn't find a grocery store that was like oh yeah come in and just pull stuff off our shelves that'd be fun yeah yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were lucky enough to let get a town that would be willing to, you know, vacate a street for him to walk yeah. down. And <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Wonder how much candy the little girl got paid to lie there in the street <laughs> and pretend she's dead. dead. Oh man, that I mean, oh, that was the other thing. I'm glad you said that. Like that was, you know, of course it starts off with their with their captain of their boat, and so you know what's going on. You know from the movie what's going to happen. But I was a little surprised that they had a little girl yeah, dead no, in the that street. Was. Mm-hmm. And I I liked that Evelyn, her impulse was to go to the child and see if she could help her. You mm-hmm. know, and Harold stops her. But I, I I think that adds more insight to her later on when she's saying, she's not just saying, you know, out of the blue, couldn't we have a child? She's, she's throughout the movie had her impulse to go help the little girl. And then at one point, Martin gives her a book about babies and she's all, which is a little bit confusing. Martin, what are you doing? Giving her books about babies. Yeah, there's and some mixed signals going on there. A little yeah. bit, don't you think? Maybe he was like, Hey, you know how babies are made? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she was right. like babies. And he was like, dang it. Wrong, wrong little, I should have gotten he, her something else. He couldn't find a book Flowers. in biology. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, should should have picked up the one about the human body parts. <laughs> nope, <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> but yeah, they're, it's, it, they're interesting. I appreciate how different each of the characters is. I'm so glad that you, you don't run into this story with three characters that are exactly the same. Or three characters that are completely unbelievable. That is something for this movie is all three of these characters are extremely believable. Absolutely yes, believable. Yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of that goes, A, goes to the writing, and mm-hmm. B, I think, does go to the actors. They are very natural in their acting. And director, uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, Roger Corman, this is probably <laughs> one of his better, uh, this is back when he actually, I feel like, attempted to direct decent films before he just totally <laughs> went into, like, I'm just making schlock because it makes me money. That's, no, that's seriously Corman. a valid point. I mean, he already, at this point, he's filming two movies at the same time. He's trying just to make money. But that's a really good point. I didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't think about it. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I just bring up to the fact that they're very natural actors is because yeah. the way they... There's moments where, like, Harold dismissed some of his, uh, and it, it's all all three of them. They have mannerisms. Harold definitely, I see lots of mannerisms, and when he just seems like the kind of guy that would kind of gently, t- you know, tug your arm when when he says, "Come on, let's get going." Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. They they seem so natural. It makes you wonder how much is acting. Yeah, you wonder. Which is great. That's so nice in a movie. Don't you yeah, love it absolutely. when you can't tell how much they're acting? <laughs> Well, even uh, Martin too is the, the same way. I mean, just his yeah. facial expressions, his when he, he's he's talking and thoughtlessly moving a glass on a shelf just because, just because yeah. you know, it just they're really good at doing that kind of stuff, and yeah. it just gives a a really great sense of reality to the whole thing. There, there's a moment near the end where Harold is chasing Martin. Martin at one point, you know, kicks him off and says, leave me alone. Like, just leave me alone. Like, and it's such a natural reaction. It's totally what we would do if some guy is just dogging you. Leave me alone. You know, he's not like, go, you know, get away. He's he. But then 
the scene after that where he's being chased and I just had this image of the nerdy kid or, you know, the, the, the stereotypical, you know, kind of loner kid being chased by the group of bullies, mm-hmm. but the bully is Harold. And right. it's like, so un- that's another reason this movie is so uncomfortable to me is because Harold is clearly the bully. Yes. And no, we, absolutely. We are not comfortable with the bully winning. Yes. In any way. And he a hundred percent walks away from this movie with no consequences. No sour feelings. I mean, he has no conscious None. conscience either. Yeah. Apparently. None at all. No regrets. No, no. Well, we never learned it's, it's not enough. Maybe it's meant to, there are moments now and then there are two or three lines in this movie where somebody says something and I feel like if they had said it differently, it could have had so much more weight to it. That's a really good example. Will we never learn? Well, let's go home. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Harold. (laughs) We should probably get to rating the film. Yeah, I think we should rate it. I went into this film, this is a, was a first time watch for me, even though I knew about this film. I was, I've known about this film for years, but knew very little about it. I honestly just assumed it was like a... Creature film. Or a loose sequel to The Last Man on Earth, oh, like a yeah. cash grab kind of thing from yeah. The Last Man on Earth. So I connected the two of these films and thought, well, what's, what's the point? This can't be that that good you know I, I never bothered to watch it so watching it this time discovering it had nothing to do with the vincent price film right <laughs> uh, no, no zombies no zombies <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> very different very different stories a that was a bit for re- refreshing <laughs> yeah but despite the fact that there are very little in our characters to like I liked watching all three of them Mm -hmm. and I actually found myself kind of enjoying the film watching it a second time, Mm -hmm. even more so, Mm -hmm. uh, in color, uh, (laughs) even if it was, you know, slightly truncated because I completely forgot about the beach scene (laughs) being gone, which makes it hard to rate. So do I rate it on my enjoyment or to rate it on the content? Cause I do think they touch on some interesting subjects and there's some great lines and yeah. stuff and that we haven't talked about that I'm sure bits and clips and everything are yeah. going to find their way into the show. Mm. Uh, one of my favorites is early on in the film when Harold asks Martin, what do you think happened? And Martin's response is, they build a bigger bomb, act of God. What difference does it make? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was I, his, brilliant. His attitude through the whole thing, his responses to both of them almost every single time, it's just like, yeah, no, he's totally right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter what happened. What matters is it's the end of the world. What are we gonna do now? Right. Yeah. Are we gonna lie you know, take it lying down or are we gonna stand up and shout in the face of injustice? No. Are we gonna, <laughs> you know, try and rebuild? Yeah, I think the question that always that I always try to answer is on a scale of one to five. Should I see this? <laughs> how how urgently should I go out and watch this movie on a scale of one to five? And it, it is a movie that, with my visceral reactions to some of the things, I I gotta I gotta throw in here real quickly. I love the moment when. So he's leaving, and not just because of what he did to you. Did to me, Harold Martin didn't rape me. 
That's enough. I don't want to hear about it. It's not just because of that. We had a balance here, we had a system, and he lost it up. Harold, I know you're hurt, but it never was his system or mine. Hurt? To begin with, when we first got here, I asked for suggestions. Neither of you had anything but smart remarks. Well, somebody's got to take the responsibility somewhere. Sure, you had a system and we had none, but we needed our own, Harold, not yours. But you never had anything. Never, Ev. Not when I met you. And not when I married you. Your system never really worked for me, Harold. With or without the world, your system's the same. It gives me everything but you. Your money is gone, and what it meant is gone. And you've never really seen that. It meant me, and I'm not gone. And you never really saw that. I made that money, it didn't make me. And what it took to make, I've still got. Then use it. Use it to help. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm trying to do. And Martin? I'll help us by getting rid of him. Harold, Martin is part of us. I'm married to you, not to Martin. To hell with him. That, that, that whole conversation. The, her f comments in that moment are so good. And then Harold comes back, well, you never understood me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh. It's just such a... Oh, okay, moving on. <laughs> I like trying really hard not to go like feminazi here. Well, it's like a kind of offensive term. Anyway, I'm trying really hard not to go, you know, too too far in one direction on this. As far as whether whether a random a, a random person who subscribes to this podcast and enjoys films that aren't in the mainstream should watch this or not. I think that the, it is such a this is maybe one of the hardest movies to rate that we've come across because it does have it, it's just it, it, honestly it, if you could just cut off the last like 12 seconds I would be like oh five you gotta watch this movie man uh and like I would have gone so far out of my way not to tell you that it ended potentially on her just saying where is that Harold mm -hmm. <laughs> I would have been like oh this movie Finally, she gets it. Finally, she's going to stand up for herself. Gives you that little twinge of hope. But with it as it is, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm torn. I feel yeah. like I have to give it like a three. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm falling. I feel like that's the dreaded three. That's the it you is. know, it's the wishy washy. I can't decide, so just put one in the put it the number in the middle. Uh, but yeah, it's the, not a two. <laughs> no, there are so many qualities about this film, moments about this film that you're like, oh, I want people to see this. But then there's other moments in the film where, yeah, you can you can just skip that part. It's, it's an exercise in frustration. This mm -hmm. movie is an exercise in frustration. The whole time you're going, even from the point where where Martin gets nicked by the spear gun <laughs> and and then and then it has i guess the point i guess the impact that has is bringing them to the surface 
Right. Um, I because I kept going over and over. What is the point but, of that? Aside from me cringing at them shooting at a ray to begin with, but <laughs> yeah, a manta ray, a harmless oh. manta ray. They, Even, I have I mean, to think they were underwater and going, <laughs> "Why the hell are there no sharks?" Be fair, no. Be fair here. I if they had been shooting at sharks, I would be like railing on this movie. Okay, <laughs> I there at I'm least a shark in, has oh. a, some amount of threat. No, no, that's the thing though. I, I'm going to try not to go too far off on the site there's an amazing documentary about the woman she and her husband did all the b-roll for jaws and they were conservationists and she said that if if she had known jaws would take off like it did they never would have agreed to do the film because jaws is like king kong you don't you're not afraid to go out into the woods because King Kong might be there. It's completely fiction, but people, okay. That was my little side thing. I'm going to, I'll, we'll try, I'll, Christopher, no, they were shooting at manta rays. There's so much in this movie that makes you cringe. There's so much in this movie that makes you go, oh, that, that wasn't okay then, even though it was acceptable. Mm -hmm. And, there's a moment, the, the moment when Martin and Evelyn finally, I hate to put it this way, but finally get together. And I love the shot. It is the reverse of every stereotypical romance poster you've ever seen. Instead of him dipping her and kissing her passionately, she is dipping him and kissing him passionately. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this shot is amazing. You don't see it anywhere and and you'd have to see it to understand what i'm saying that's an oversimplification but the positioning is so like powerful it tells you evelyn is in control control. absolutely she's the one she's the one that makes the move she's the one that do come on let's whole time why don't we why don't you get out of the sun and you know the whole time she's the one driving the relationship with her and Martin, mm-hmm. and the whole time she is in the backseat of her relationship with Harold as he and Martin drive around the block together. It's nuts. So this is an operation in frustration. But I think if you want to watch a movie and then argue about it and yell about it with a friend, <laughs> this is a great movie to watch because yes. you can watch it and go, oh, that ain't right. Or you can watch it and go, yeah, girl, get it. And then you can watch yeah. it and go, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. There are some fantastic scenes. And like I said before, I like watching all these characters, even though I don't like yeah. these characters. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm talking myself around to a much higher rating because I no, I, I honestly think a three is is <laughs> the right right way to go. I think though, I it, genuinely, if everything about a movie or almost everything about a movie makes you want to recommend it, except for the last twelve seconds, <laughs> it's hard not to say it deserves at least a four. I think it. It's one of those movies that it, this would be. Oh, if if any of you teaches a women's lib class, <laughs> oh, this would be such a great movie. The this would be a great movie for for so many situations. As just to sit down and watch it because you want to feel satisfied at the end of a movie. Don't watch this movie. You're <laughs> not going to feel satisfied at the end of this movie. You're going to end this movie and go. Even if Evelyn and Martin weren't great together. This is just a travesty. <laughs> and so uh, I'm I am torn. I kind of want to kind of want to give it a four. I think I, I think I'm going to give it a four. I think I have okay. to give it a four. I think there's too much in this movie that is good mm-hmm. to not give it a four. And I'm totally okay with you disagreeing with me. I don't disagree <laughs> with you, but I'm going to stick with my three. 
<laughs> All right, there. So it gets the magical three and a half. And for the first time, maybe ever, Lydia is rating a non romance <laughs> higher than Christopher is. That is history. <laughs> a horror film, no less. Lydia's rating higher than Christopher is. <laughs> yeah. It had to happen sometime. I mean, I, I'm probably as surprised as the listeners are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've said all we can say about Last Woman on Earth, unless you've got anything else, Lydia. No, I definitely think if you if you don't know, if you're confused about this movie at all, it's only because we didn't follow any kind of consistency with the timeline. Go go give no, it a watch my apologies. if you have yeah, no, no, no. We we kind of skipped around, but I think it made it fun to talk about. And I yes. think that's it for me. Do check it out. And uh, maybe go check out Creature from the Haunted Sea, too, since Ooh, it's filmed yeah. with these same people. Oh, maybe I will have to check that movie out and see what kind of role uh, Betsy, um, what's her name again? Uh, <laughs> Betsy Jones-Moreland. Jones yeah, see what kind of role she has in that. I'd be very curious now. I think I'm going to just run down this whole list from Robert Town and see if I can't find some more movies to watch. I'm really interested to see some more of his early ones. Uh, or if he's got, you know, any anything where he's got the written by credit, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see if I can suss out whether the interesting parts of the story were due to his writing or down to the actors. Yeah, I think he's still with us, too. I wonder how open he is to, uh, <laughs> to questions. To talk to us? Yes. <laughs> Could you come on to our show and talk to us about a 62-year-old film that oh, you wrote goodness. and starred in? That, that we did not rate as a 5 Othels. <laughs> Please, Mr. Town, we'd love to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know. It might be worth it. It might be worth an ask. I'll see what I can do. Well, that is going to do it for us for this month. Thank you very much for listening. Please go out and watch the film and you know write to us or send us a uh, voice message or something and let us know what you thought of it. Uh, I guess that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye. 